Now, if you would turn to the New Testament, we will be reading from 2 Corinthians 1, verses 1 through 7. And when we get to verse 3 of this passage, that is the beginning of a prayer. And so 3 through 7 is a prayer. Hear the word of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Paul begins his second letter to the Corinthians the same way he began in his first letter to the Corinthians. He begins after a short greeting with a prayer. In 1 Corinthians, the prayer was a thanksgiving prayer, a thanksgiving for God and for Jesus Christ. It was a prayer for the people in Corinth. And in his prayer, we could see how he anticipated giving the Corinthians some instructions and also some corrective language. In 2 Corinthians, he begins with a prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving, a prayer of thanksgiving to God because he was a God of all comfort. And also, in this prayer, he anticipates that the Corinthians were going to need comfort in their trials. Reminds us, these prayers, that our prayers aren't always structured like the Lord's Prayer. We don't always begin our prayer with our Father who art in heaven. And we don't always end every single prayer with an amen. Sometimes we pray prayers that are very focused on one thing. We get up, we have our devotions, we say a short prayer, maybe not a structured prayer, but just, Lord, help me to be a good person today. Help me to overcome these difficulties. Or we sit down for a meal and we say, Lord, thank you for the food that you have given to me to eat, and so on. And so this prayer in 2 Corinthians focuses our attention in the fact that God is a God of comfort. In some translations, we read this word comfort a little differently, a God of encouragement. And so Paul then uses this attribute of God in our afflictions 
that teach us what it means to have the comfort of God. And so what we want to do is consider this short doxology. This morning we sang a doxology, didn't we? And what is a doxology? It's a short prayer that's a burst of praise. And so when we sang the doxology, we sang, praise God. And then we say, from whom all blessings flow. Praise him. We're saying, all creatures here below. We say, praise him. Anyone who's up there, right? All ye heavenly hosts. And then we say, praise the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. This is the kind of prayer that we have in front of us in 2 Corinthians. Paul is praising. And the first thing he does is he praises or he blesses God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're reminded that God, not being the physical Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, but he is the one who worked in Mary and sent his angel Gabriel to make sure that Mary would conceive a child. And that child was the Lord Jesus Christ. God was the Father in that respect, even though Jesus Christ had existed with him since eternity past and was co-equal with God, God had given Mary a child. And God had conceived of the salvation that was going to come through this child, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is both man and God. Jesus Christ is the one who is our Redeemer. Jesus Christ is the one who reconciles us to God the Father. Jesus Christ is the one we thank when we talk about our salvation. And so that's the first thing that Paul praises God for. But then he praises God as the Father of all mercies. We read in Psalm 145 that there are some attributes of God that we should not forget. The Lord is gracious and merciful, it says in verse 8, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. God is a merciful God and God is called in our passage it says he is the father of mercies. Being the father means that he is the author of mercy. He is the first cause of mercy. The concept of mercifulness would not exist unless God had created this concept. And then secondly, God is the one who showed mercy to us as an example for us. He was the father of all mercies. And so, in addition, not only is God merciful, God is the one who loves to be merciful. We read in Micah, where Micah the prophet in Micah 7 verse 18 asks a question to God. He says, who is God like, who is a God like you? He's saying to God. 
And what did God do? He pardons iniquity and passing over the transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. He delights in steadfast love. And so Micah is saying, you not only are merciful, you delight in mercifulness. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Paul is probably thinking about these Corinthians. And he's saying, I wrote this letter to them. I gave them instruction. I gave them correction. And now Paul's thinking, I found out that they listened. They have corrected some of those things that I told them about. They listened. They reformed their ways. Paul is thanking God for his mercy to the Corinthians. That's what Paul is thinking as he writes this. How about you? Do you see the mercy of God in your own life? Do you see his goodness that he has towards you? If you are saved, you have been saved because of the mercy of God. If you are here today, it is out of the goodness of God that he has preserved you, that you are able to come and worship with us together. God is sanctifying you. God is providing for your needs. God is teaching you from his word. And so this doxology starts with praise for God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise for the God of all mercies. And now we come to he praises God as the God of all comfort. What do we mean by comfort? The word comfort is sometimes translated as encouragement in some Bible versions. When we think of comfort in this verse, it has a much different meaning than maybe what we think of when we say, I'm wearing some really nice, comfortable shoes. Or you might say, those metal chairs in our fellowship hall are not really that comfortable. Or you might say, I like comfort food. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about something different. And we use that word in our English language in ways that Paul would not understand. The situation that Paul is writing about is when somebody is suffering from adversity, from trial, from tribulation. And this is for a Christian. He is writing to Christians. And he said, Christian, are you grieving a loss? Christian, are you in a lot of trouble? Are you in a lot of pain? Christian, are your circumstances unstable? You're not sure what's going on, and you're afraid the worst is going to happen. Christian, are you being persecuted? Are you in danger of losing your life or being thrown in jail? because you are a Christian. And in these instances, comfort means that someone comes beside you and shows compassion and gives you comfort. Somebody consoles you. They empathize in your situation. 
Somebody has pity and concerns for your sufferings and your misfortunes. They show that they understand what you are going through. They soothe and calm you by their words. You think of that baby that starts to cry, and you see the mother come and pick up that baby. Sometimes that baby stops crying, but sometimes that baby's still crying. And you see that mother with the baby in her arms, and you see her talking. That mother is soothing that baby, giving that baby comfort. That's what is happening when comfort is given to the Christian. That person is going to stick by you and give you strength to get through the day. What are they doing? They are reflecting the comfort of God in their words and their actions. Some have rewritten verse 4 of our passage. They're praising God like this. They said, we praise God as a God of every consolation and encouragement, who consoles and encourages us in every affliction and tribulation. And another writer wrote, we praise God as the God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we walk through hard times. This is what comfort is. And leads us to another question. What do we learn about God's comfort as reflected by people who comfort others? The first thing we learn is that God's comfort and his compassion is limitless, limitless. We read in Lamentations 3, verse 22, Jeremiah has been complaining. He's been lamenting. And then he says, the steadfast love of God never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. There is no situation that is greater than what God can comfort you for. Even when our friends and our family have given as much comfort as they can and we're not feeling comforted, God is at our side. He's encouraging us to keep our faith. He's helping us remember his promises, even that promise of eternal life. And there are Christians today who are in prison because they are Christians. They are being persecuted as Christians. They said something. They were taken off the street and hauled off to prison. And here they are sitting in a jail by themselves. And they're pulled out of their jail cell every so often and beaten up and said, give up that Christianity. This is actually happening today. And every so often one of those Christians gets released from jail. Have they changed their mind about being a Christian? No. And you ask them this question. How did you manage in prison to keep your faith? You were going through trial and tribulation. You were in a terrible position. They say, well, we remembered the words of God. 
There are people in Iran, Christians, who memorize scripture because they know they may be thrown into prison and they want to remember scripture when they're in prison. That will comfort them. That will help them get through. God's comfort and compassion is never failing. We read in Isaiah 40, verse 1, famous passage, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your God. In Isaiah 51, verse 3, For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places. He makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of God. Joy and gladness will be found in her thanksgiving and the voice of a song. And Isaiah writes in Isaiah 51:12, I am he who comforts you, says God. He is the source of all comfort. If you are a child of God and you have hope of salvation and spending eternity with Jesus Christ, God's comfort is for you. No one is too insignificant for God. There is no circumstance that is too small for God's providential care. People might fail you. Doctors may run out of ways to treat you. Your house may burn down along with all your belongings. But there's one thing that you will have, and that is that God will be there, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, 4. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel your Savior. What wonderful verses. That was from Isaiah 43, verse 2. These things are things that we need to remember, even as we are going through trial. Another thing we learn about God. When we are comforted by God, we have no need to complain. When you think about it, people are natural complainers. I think it's part of our makeup. It's part of our sin nature in some ways. But you'll say, well, I know when I need to complain. I bought something from the store, and it was broken when I opened it. So you bring it back. You have a complaint. Okay, I give you that. There are some times when you need to complain, where you need to stand up for what you have. But there are some times when we complain, when it's a situation that we cannot change. It's a circumstance that will never change. We say that happened through the providence of God. You might be persecuted at your workplace. All the other people at work are not Christians, and they make sure that they tell you they're not Christians, and they rub your nose in the filth that happens. You have lost a loved one someone you were close to, that's trouble, that's 
difficult. You have had an accident. In the nature of accidents, they're unplanned. You don't even think they're going to happen, but it happened. You can't do anything about it. It was in the providence of God you were in this accident. Your job ended and you were laid off. You have no idea, it's just a sweep of the hand in a large corporation. You could possibly complain about each one of these situations. You could potentially blame others for the things that have happened. If they had been doing this or that, you would not have gone through this particular circumstance. But instead of looking for someone to blame, we need to remember that God has you in exactly the place where he wants you to be. He knows your situation, and so it is to him you need to turn. It is to him you need to bring your trial. It is to him that you come and you talk about your circumstances. God is the ultimate source of help. It is time like these when we're afflicted where we need to remember his promises. It is God who helps us through these circumstances. Psalm 103, verse 13. As a father shows compassion, Compassion to his children. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Psalm 116, verse 5. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. Well, that's true of me. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Psalm 86, 15. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. We know that God's comfort is limitless. We know that God's comfort is never failing. We know that there's no need to complain about our situation. And when we understand the nature of God's comfort, Paul says, we need to apply this to our lives. He says that because you have been comforted by God, in verse 4 of our passage, you have capacity and a duty to comfort others. You might be thinking, don't I need some special training to become a comforter or a counselor? Or I'm not the nurturing type person. I'm, uh, that's not how I'm wired. And I would say, I have a question for you. Have you suffered affliction anywhere? Have you suffered sorrow? Have you been in trouble? Have you had one of those providences happen to you that weren't so nice? Job wrote, man is born to trouble. Every one of us has been in trouble, some sort of trouble at some point. And Job says, guess what? If I light a fire, sparks are gonna go up. Have you ever seen a fire without sparks? Even those really refined gases that you burn, there will be a spark from time to time. There are going to be sparks. If you're human, you're going to be in trouble. And just because you're a Christian doesn't exempt you from being afflicted with something. And if you haven't been yet, you will be. And God prepares every single one of us for a ministry of comfort 
because of the afflictions that we have suffered ourselves. And the question then I want to ask you is, how can I practice this ministry of comfort to others just as God has ministered to me, and we had read a number of passages already, and that I have gone through to help others through their difficulty. And so when you come alongside somebody, we remember with them that comfort comes from God. When I come to somebody and say, I'm going to comfort you. No, no. I am going to use the words of God to comfort you. And so you will find words from scriptures that might be appropriate to their situation. And so if someone is brokenhearted for some reason or another, you might read from Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned and the flame will not consume you. Or you might read from Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. These are words of God. I'm not telling you I'm going to help you necessarily. It is God who is going to help you, maybe through what I can do for you. Uh, and God says, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Look for verses like this. Verses that have helped you, that you can share them with others. And then when you comfort somebody, you are going to comfort them using the sovereignty of God. Have you ever thought about it? You recognize that God is sovereign, but you also know that God is caring. You know that God is all-powerful. Nothing has happened that he didn't know about. He's all-knowing. And so God is not surprised that you're sick or that you were in an accident or that you had a loss of somebody or that all kinds of things have happened to you. Do you think God is surprised by this? No. And so we need to bring to bear that this is part of the sovereignty of God, but realizing that this word of comfort is slow to sink in. When we read in Romans, we read this wonderful passage that I hope all of you have somewhere posted in your house. Not literally, but Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, this is a verse for Christians. Don't use this verse on non-Christians because they don't love God. But we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. When things aren't very good, that's a hard verse to understand. It takes some soaking it in and meditating on it to understand how it's working out for you. But just know, even though it doesn't seem good, that God is doing it for good because God doesn't do things to you for bad. 
God is good. And then the third thing, if you're going to be a comforter, you have to realize that you don't need to have suffered the same trouble and physical problems to be a minister of comfort. You have had life experiences where you've needed comfort. And so you can use those life experiences to help someone who is going through a different type of trial than yours, or maybe the same trial as yours with somebody else. But everyone can be a comforter. Paul felt very keenly about this. We read in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 6, if we are afflicted, and Paul was afflicted, and later on in 2 Corinthians, he's going to describe all of his afflictions. He's saying, okay, I've been afflicted. And then he says, why? It was for your comfort and salvation. I am able to enter into the trials that you are having, the difficulties you're having, the afflictions you're having, because I have been afflicted. But he also says this in that same verse. If we are comforted, and he's talking about this collective we, and it's really about himself, it is for your comfort. He's saying, I went through all these trials and tribulations, afflictions, and I was comforted by God. So now I can comfort you. And so it says, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Paul is entering into the suffering of the Corinthians because he himself has suffered. We read a story in John 21 about the apostle Peter. Remember Peter, the night before Jesus was crucified, he was standing by a fire, and what did Peter do? He denied that he knew Jesus. Well, we read later that Peter wept bitterly. This was a hard thing for Peter to have done. Peter was thinking to himself, I really loved Jesus, and then I denied Jesus. How can I even do anything for Jesus? Peter went to Galilee. Peter started doing his fishing business again. He probably thought his ministry was over, and he's out fishing. And there on the shore, Jesus, Jesus was making breakfast. And he called Peter and the fishermen in, had breakfast with them. And then we read the most beautiful story about how Jesus came alongside Peter and encouraged Peter, even as Peter was suffering from this feeling that he could no longer serve Jesus. And what does Jesus say to him? He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he probably pointed to all the fishing stuff. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He had just spent three years with Jesus, following Jesus around and soaking in everything that Jesus had taught him. Jesus asked this question three times just like the amount of times that Peter had denied Jesus. Now Peter said, I love you three times to Jesus. But what was Jesus' response? 
Jesus said first, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. Peter's thinking, do you mean that you want me to teach new Christians about you? And then secondly, Jesus said, tend my sheep. Do you mean I'm supposed to teach others about what it is like to live in the kingdom of God? And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. Am I supposed to teach the church of God? Jesus commissioned Peter to be an apostle. And so when we see the day that all the disciples were praying in an upper room and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came upon them, who stood up and gave a sermon? It was Peter. Jesus restored Peter to a life of service. You may think, just like Peter did, I just go on living, I'm just a nobody, I've, re I've made mistakes. But God restored him, God comforted him. God showed him, encouraged him in ministry. And I want to encourage you in ministry. Are you an encourager? Are you a comforter? Well, maybe you're one of those people who doesn't think you are. Ask God to help you. And so how do we give comfort to others? We remember that comfort comes from God. It doesn't come from me. We remember that God is sovereign in every single trouble. God has you exactly where you need to be. And we realize that we are comforters ourselves because our troubles have come upon us and God has comforted us and God has brought us through this, which leads us to the last thing I want to mention. And that is that it is a privilege for us to bear witness as to how God comforted us. I suffered a loss, but that's many years ago. God brought me through. Here's what God did for me. I'm a better person because of what I went through. You have a testimony to the comfort of God. God prevented you from falling into sin. God brought you closer to himself through the loss of a loved one. You learned how to relieve the stress in your life because of the comfort of others. This week is Thanksgiving, and you probably are planning a fun time, right? joyful time, a thankful time. I pray that you'll be thankful to God for what you have. But for some, it's going to be a time of trial and sorrow. There's suffering afflictions. And I would suggest that you remember Paul's words and apply them to your situation. And Paul said this, our hope for you is unshaken. He's talking to the Corinthians. He's talking to us. He's hoping that you will be comforted. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. And he isn't just talking to the Corinthians. He's talking to us. We share our comfort. We share our sufferings. And my word for you is be ready to share your comfort 
with others.